Hey, everybody. Welcome to Red Pill Your Healthcast. My name is Dr. Charlie Fagenholtz, and I'm here with my favorite nurse practitioner in the whole wide world, Lauren Johnson. Uh, we hope you all had a happy Thanksgiving. If you are not in America, we hope you had a great week. Um, and we have an interesting topic this week. I feel like I always say that, but I really think this one's really interesting because we can take this any which way. So we're going to be talking about Big Pharma's ugly cousin, insurance companies, medical insurance companies. So I am not an expert in this. I have never taken insurance as a practicing uh, chiropractor. The reason why I haven't is because I could never make sense in my head of providing a valuable treatment and then having to argue with someone who has the slightest idea about what I'm doing uh, to, to reimburse me. So out of school, I started in a clinic that was all cash uh, and I am still all cash. And so one of the other um, trends or things I've noticed in private practice is the people who have the best insurance policies, because people like to brag how good their insurance is. It's it's an interesting phenomenon. Like, oh, I have, I have this and that, and it's great, blah, 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 blah. Those people are always the sickest because with quote unquote, great insurance comes very easy visits to the doctor for every tickle and scratch and stuff he knows. And then what do they give you? They give you pharmaceutical drugs. What does that do? Doesn't create health. It actually leads you further into disease, which then the insurance company will benefit more because you will be sick. So that's my spiel on it. And um, let's turn it over to Lauren. Lauren, you have uh, dealt with insurances before. Let's talk a little bit about your experiences and what you think the people should know. Yeah. So I've worked, um, I've been a nurse for 12, 13 years, and I've been an, a nurse practitioner for eight, eight or nine years. And, um, I've worked in urgent cares. I've worked in primary care. I've worked with, um, you know, Medicaid, Medicare, private insurance, um, you name it. I've probably worked with them, um, as a provider, as a nurse, not as much. Cause that was more in the hospital. Um, and I'll say, you know, it's interesting insurance really dictate a lot as a provider. Um, you know, and, I, and I'm not telling anybody to not get insurance because I do think there is something that needs to be said for in emergencies and trauma. Um, because, you know, and I think there is a, a place for being covered. Um, you know, with either a health share, there are several health shares I've heard good things about, including Liberty and Samaritans, um, and that people have had good experiences with, um, but if, or having another plan that is a private insurance of if, if it's possible, um, because there, there are traumas and there are different things that will happen and you don't want a massive bill and you will get one if you don't have some type of insurance, but talking about it from the provider standpoint, um, you know, I had to see a certain number of patients in order to, um, make enough money for whatever company I was working for. Um, I had to, you know, you wanted to hit certain markers, um, so that you could bill a certain way. Um, and so not even talking about with vaccines, but just with regular office visits, um, it really matters like that they can up charge really easily um, and add all these diagnoses. And we're going to talk about an article that you found from the New York times last month um, that show that there are providers that are doing that, that are finding all these obscure diagnoses. Cause I can literally search ICD 10 and diagnose 
acid reflux, constipation, all these things that are individual things that are all related and we know are all related, but they are, but they're, but they don't necessarily need to be billed separately. Um, and that's a way for providers and for insurance companies to be charged more. Um, and because of, um, because that, you know, that's just a way to add, to get more profit off of it. Um, so, but what we want to talk about today is, is part of what we want to talk about today was related to vaccines. Um, because insurance companies will actually, give bonuses for providers that are, um, that are reimbursing at a higher or that are vaccinating a certain percentage of their population. So if they have a certain percentage of their population at like, say it's 65% of their patient population are vaccinated, they will get a higher rate of reimbursement, but they will also qualify for a bonus if it's a certain amount. So if you are a provider, a healthcare provider that is um, conventional and you are, um, taking insurance, and say you don't say you don't vaccinate. Say you don't have any. You don't you don't vaccinate anybody in your office, um, which we can talk about in a little bit why you might not want to offer vaccines too. Um, but say you don't offer vaccines, you're going to be deemed twice. You're not going to qualify for the bonuses from the insurance company um, because you're not going to hit that percentage. Um, no. And it's going to be different based off your state and based off the insurance company. It's going to be different all over. Um, but you're going to not make the money on the bonus. And then as well, you're going to be reimbursed at a lower rate for all your other services that you provide. And so they are really digging you in multiple places. Yeah, that's absolutely crazy that you were just telling me that too, that it starts with vaccines, but it, it goes across all of your services. Yeah. Which so like is, a nebulizer treatment, you're going to get, you're going to get less for that um, yeah. because you are not meeting this there. It's a, it's a quality care measure um, that they are. And it's not, so it has nothing to do while this is all benefiting pharmaceutical companies. It's not really coming from the pharmaceutical company um, in this instance, um, you know, something that they created in the early nineties called the vaccines for children program, BFC was because vaccines are really expensive. Um, they're super expensive to, to purchase. And so like uh, an office might spend 10 to $15,000 a month buying vaccines, um, to have in the office, to give to children and adults. Um, and so offices weren't really able to afford that. And so they didn't have a great, um, rate of actual application or giving these, these vaccinations. So they started this program vaccines for vaccinations for children's program and in the early nineties and it basically requires all these stipulations that they must meet in order to qualify for this program to send them their vaccines ahead of time. And then the vaccines for children program will bill insurance and they will get a certain uh, a percentage of that from that bill. Um, but it's, it's crazy to me that they are, they're charging. I mean, the vaccines are expensive to buy. They're super yeah. expensive to buy. And then they are not really making a ton of money off of the vaccines in general, but then they're making money from the from the insurance company for having a certain percentage of their population that is vaccinated. And and what did you say was the compensation per vaccine? So it's I think it varies per um per vaccine per insurance company and per state. But okay. what I did see was Medicare for COVID vaccine they gave forty dollars for each COVID vaccine that was given. Um, it, and so. It, which- you know, what we were saying was that's relatively not a lot of money when you take into account that for a COVID death certificate, you were getting upwards of $30,000. So, you know, Which when you put things comes into from perspective, the hospital, right? Yeah, exactly. And so when you put things into perspective, 40 bucks isn't really that much, but uh, 30,000 is a lot. So I find it so interesting 
that I feel like everything when we talk about, we talk about vaccines, we talk about uh, insurance companies right now, literally everything is all about the almighty dollar. Yeah. And if you just follow the paper trail, you're going to figure out some stuff. And um, that's what we're trying to do is uh, open up that paper trail for you. Now, as you were talking, you said that I had found this New York Times article and half the people who are listening to this are like cleaning their ears. Did he just say New York Times? Yeah. Because it's a bunch <laughs> of fake news, as we all know. And Dude, so they just came out with a, did you hear, have you heard about the whole Balenciaga thing? I, I've heard some stuff. I like, I they can't take this world piece. serious anymore. So it's kind of like. They you know. came out a hit piece with Balenciaga that was trying to pin it on a conspira conspiracy theorist saying oh. that this was not a big deal at this whole big picture of, um, of children that are, I mean, these are horrible images yeah. and they're trying to blame it on conspiracy theorists and Fox news. And I was like, that's hilarious. Like, yeah. I mean, I remember didn't Netflix come out with something with like French little girls or something yes. like that. Oh, like, what was that called? Cuties? Cuties. Yeah. Cuties. Like the yeah. little oranges. Yeah. Um, they're, they're just trying to poke the bear. They're really trying to, to inch the, the line further of what they can get away with. Um, yeah. and oh, it's, totally. It's, it's, it's a game for the targeting powers, children and it's horrible. Okay. So go on New York times article. So New York times article. Yes. You, folks, you heard this correctly from October 8th of 2022. It's labeled the cash monster was insatiable. How insurers exploited Medicare for billions. Mm -hmm. Now there is the 10 top Medicare advantage providers. There's a list in front of me, all of them. So eight of them besides, so minus two, all were inspected by the inspector general and all of them were overbilling. Now, one, two, three, four, five of them. So half were accused of fraud by the U S government and half of them were also accused of fraud by a whistleblower. I'm shocked that they even talk about whistleblowers because, you know, that's, I'm, sh I'm shocked they put whistleblower and not conspiracy theorists. You know how they like to do that sleight of hand. Yeah. Um, okay. So, so here is a short little uh, excerpt from the article. It says the health system Kaiser Permanente called doctors in during lunch and after work and urged them to add additional illnesses to their medical records of patients they hadn't seen in weeks. Doctors who found enough new diagnoses, which is what Lauren was talking about with the ICD 10 codes and all that people, the docs who found new ones earned bottles of champagne or a bonus in their paychecks. Anthem, a large insurer now called Elevance Health, paid more to doctors who said their patients were sicker. And executives at United Health Group, the country's largest insurer, told their workers to mine old medical records for more illnesses. And when they couldn't find enough, they sent them to go back and try again. And this is this is from the New York Times, folks. This isn't conspiracy theory Charlie talking. Each <laughs> of the strategies, which were described by the Justice Department in lawsuits against the companies, led to diagnoses of serious diseases that might have never existed. But the diagnoses had a lucrative side effect. They let the insurers collect more money from the federal government's Medicare Advantage program. So this is ridiculous. Um, something that just popped in my head was I once heard that for every colonoscopy, if the per if the doctor who was doing it did not put that the person had hemorrhoids or polyps, the the insurance company would not reimburse them. So now that made me think of that because people were making up new diagnoses. But it it makes me question how far does the how far down does the rabbit hole go? This is just the very surface. It's like an iceberg. You know, we're just looking at above the water, but below the water could be miles of ice. 
And so that's why we're kind of talking about this stuff, because if not us, then who? I mean, we, we like to talk about things that people want to talk about that don't. You know, we all love talking about vaccines, which everyone wants to, but they won't. So um, another stat that you told me or a concept that we were talking about was hospitals and having vaccinated employees. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about that. So when I worked in the hospital, like you had, they really pushed on, on vaccine, on flu, the flu vaccine. That's the one, you know, I think they, they do make their employees be like up to date on like the MMR and like a hep B. Um, but it's not, that's not necessarily an issue because typically that's already addressed in nursing school and other, you know, like when you're in school for these jobs. Um, but the thing that they really push in the hospital is flu vaccines. Every mm. single year you get your flu vaccine. And if you don't, you have to wear a mask and um, I, I work every single day. Um, they really want to punish you if you don't get it. But the reason is, um, is if you don't have a certain percentage of your employees vaccinated, then they can actually, they will reimburse less. Um, mm. And so that's something that hospitals are threatened with. If they don't have a certain percentage of their employees vaccinated, they're threatened with a lower reimbursement rate. Um, they want these quality measures. It's a quality measure. It's looked at to protect your health. Yeah. Um, these quality measures and the same thing for the pediatricians. It's a quality measure. Are you providing quality care um, with, and that's how they can say that, oh, it's not just about vaccines. That's what they'll say. If you Google this, it will say, it will come up as that's not true. That's not just about vaccines, but it's a big part of it. Um, yep. It's a big part of it is if they don't have these 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 percentage of employees, or if it's a provider, if it's a patient, they don't have a percentage of patients that are vaccinated that they will be reimbursed less, and they don't qualify for these bonuses. It's so crazy. It honestly just blows my mind. Um, you mentioned the uh, flu shot, and I have a story that I had I didn't tell you about the flu shot. And, uh, let's talk about it. So, uh, our, my two, you know, closest, uh, best friends in Tennessee, um, were really sick the last two weeks. Okay. And, and right before they got sick, my friend, her, her dad visited. And if she's listening to this, she's going to get a kick out of me talking about it. <laughs> he is a pathologist, okay. um, in Southern California and, you know, looked up to, and, and all this type of stuff. He is, I think he is kind of Asperger-y. Uh, when I talk to him, he kind of has that type of um, just something spectrum-y kind of. Yeah. Not kind of, for sure. Um, and so he comes to their house two and a half weeks ago and gets like deathly ill, like super sick. Okay. And th folks, this is, do this is Doctors in America. Okay. He goes, I don't understand why I'm so sick. I wore three masks on the plane here. And on Monday, which was two day, three days before I got my flu shot. And <laughs> I started dying laughing when I heard that because the, this is someone who's well-respected and this is, you know, doctors look up to this man yeah. and this is the type of thought process that they think that that's, that's how they think building health is that scares. That scares me to my core. Yeah. Yeah. They think you dot you, you check the boxes on your, your vaccines to build immunity. That's something I saw earlier that when I was researching this, like that the vaccines build immunity. And I'm like, yeah. what, how does that even make sense? 
Um, it's because so you're, wild. you're just, you're, you're, you're going to cause this cascade of events to happen. That's actually going to wreck your immunity. Um, I don't even see how they think that, but, um, I think it's interesting that it is all about like, you do this, you do this. And I, and I will say that that doctor, like, I don't believe that he thinks that he's doing anything wrong by mm -hmm. any, any doctor by encouraging vaccines, um, or he, by, he's not, a, he's, not a, he's not a bad person. He, yeah, he's exactly. a good person with um, a good heart. So I assume, um, but what we said in earlier podcasts was you have these really smart people who are so book smart that it makes them so dumb because <laughs> yeah. they can't think outside the box. Yeah. And they, they, you know, take whatever they learn in med school from these people that have these egos, they take whatever they say, and it has to be truth if it comes out of one of their mouths. And those med schools are also funded by pharma and things like that. So yeah, well, um, and they're just, they're, they're brainwashed to a, a degree that, you know, they are, it's really hard to question what you have been doing and treating for the last five, 10, 15, 20 years, whatever. So it's really hard to say, oh, have I been doing this wrong? They really, they think that they are doing the right thing by encouraging and they're protecting children by, by encouraging um, vaccines over and over and over again. And totally. so I don't necessarily think they're bad people that are going to, that are really just out for the money. No. Cause I mean, pediatricians really, they don't, I mean, when you compare it to other specialists, they don't make near no. as much as other specialists. No. Um, it's not that, but that's also why they do have to keep to the vaccine schedule so that they get their bonuses and they get their reimbursements because exactly. they are spending so much time in the office. They have to see a ton of patients in order to, to meet their quotas. They have to, they are on call all the time. So I'm not telling, like, they're not a bad, they're not bad people. They really are no. not making as much as you would think. But the reason that they are making more is because they're meeting their vaccine quotas. Um, and then they are reimbursed and or given bonuses from the insurance company. Totally. And like you said, um, they're, they're good people. They're just taught by other people who look up to people like Anthony Fauci. Yeah. And oh. that is the truth of it because everyone who's listening to this podcast knows every time that you hear Anthony Fauci, it makes you cringe, but to, to med school people, he is kind of like their Jesus. He is their savior. He is the one who is times person of the year or whatever, the, whatever he was. Um, and I just can't handle that anymore. I can't take people serious who actually think this dude's legit. And the, the hard truth is that medical schools around the country are going to take his word as truth as gospel. Yeah. And that scares me. And that is why I will not put, uh, my family into the medical system. And I, this is a good transition. Cause I wanted to hear your thoughts, Lauren, on, Okay, so now people are waking up that the better insurance you have, the more toxic treatments you receive uh, at lower cost for you. Um, what do you recommend for people? What should people do now that you know they might kind of rethink having all this insurance? You know, that's something that I really think a lot of people do eventually need to realize that they're giving a lot of premiums to this insurance that they're giving really high premium premiums. Like this, it's a lot of money that they give mm -hmm. every month. Um, what is a better use of money? Um, maybe paying more providers that think differently, root cause practitioners like you, Dr. Charlie, um, to, for their care, but still, and then if you're not paying these insurance premiums, you have more money for care like that. 
Yep. But then I do think you do need a, you do need some type of coverage. Um, okay. I don't think that it's smart to go without anything. Um, right. and so whether that be some cheap plan off the marketplace, um, I tend to think that if there's nothing available as far as like an employer, um, where it's going to be cheaper for you, if like you're a small business owner or if, um, anything like that, I would go with some type of health share. Um, cause they do, I, I haven't heard super great things about MediShare, but I have heard better things about Samaritans and Liberty. Um, and I'm sure there's other ones too. Um, but I would think about one of those to make sure you provide coverage. Um, I will forewarn you if you are one, a family that is vaccinating, vaccines are not covered on health shares. Um, and so that is something to think about. Um, so none of them are covered no matter what. Um, so that is something to think about, but you know, I, I think it's important to have some coverage, but I also think it's important to know that like, that's not the type of care that's probably going to give you that healing type of care that we, yes. that we talk about. Well, that's it. The whole thing is that good insurance doesn't build your health. Good insurance, like I said, gives you more access to solutions that actually decrease your health over time. And oh, yeah. so well, and that's another thing. If you look at there was a study in 2020 um that there are solutions for you know for vaccines that mm -hmm. are supposed to make you healthier. There was a study for 2020 that actually looked, compared the health between unvaccinated and vaccinated children. And they found that unvaccinated children are healthier than yep. uh, than vaccinated children. Now, the conclusion of the study was very, you know, obviously didn't come to that conclusion. But if you look at the analysis, it did come to the conclusion that the vaccinated children are not as healthy as the unvaccinated. I, I thought you were going to say that the results of the study was it was the results are inconclusive at this time. Yeah, well, well, and that's always what it is. Um, if they don't yeah. want to come to some new or groundbreaking um, conclusion, they'll say yeah. that or they'll say yeah. this needs to be researched more. Yeah, um, like, like this is this isn't going to make us look like, good. We need to do more research. Anybody comments on my post and says, "Hey, but the study actually concluded um, yeah. this needs to be researched more." So you're 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 quoting this incorrectly, and I'm like, "No, that's just a that's just a that's just a researcher who doesn't want to say anything that's going to get that's them right. in hot water with a with a with a pharmaceutical company that might have paid for the study." Like, that's exactly right. You you'll only hear about studies that they can manipulate to get what they want because all the ones that they can't manipulate because it's so tough to they'll never tell you about those studies. They just won't come out with them. Yeah. And so, it's, or they'll be forced to like retract it or for whatever reason, like, yeah, you they'll, know, they'll that's why I'm like, somehow, you know, this is like such a world of canceling things nowadays. It's horrible. <laughs> uh, you know, I just, I really think you have to say, okay, look at it like it, what it is. Address yeah. how, like, go at it like this. Like I go to this provider for certain to check the box here. I do think it's important to have a provider that you're seeing if you are a parent that, has a child that's not vaccinated, you're like, why am I going to well child checks? I do think it's still important to go, um, or to, not to go to that provider, but to go somewhere, um, okay. to have an appointment, to have regular checks, because I do think a paper trail is important in today's mm -hmm. world of medical kidnapping being a thing. Um, yeah. if you're not familiar with that, that is something that like, if you go to the hospital, say your child is in a car accident, say you're in a car accident, and um, you go to the hospital and the child isn't vaccinated, they're going to have more questions. And if there's anything amiss, um, you know, things can, they just ask more and more questions. I'm not saying that will happen. I'm not saying it's common. It's not, but I am saying um, they, they are very, um, it makes, it, you should be on guard with, with situations like that. And so yeah. I do think having a paper trail, seeing like a chiropractor, seeing a naturopath, seeing a, um, a, a provider who thinks differently um, is important. Um, yeah. for that paper trail.
Yeah. So what we do is we do an insurance policy that basically is worst case scenario. If yeah. we have, if we break a bone, we, we got to go to the ER, we need something like that. Like that's all where we, we really pay for because every practitioner that we see is out of network. Everyone is cash. Our dentist is cash. Um, my wife goes and sees um, other chiropractors who do certain things. Um, they're cash. Uh, massage is all cash. Acupuncture yeah. is all cash. Yeah. Um, Our chiropractor bill is insurance. Um, but I some, think some they, do. Yeah, some do. I think they are, but they're making it harder and harder to bill, yeah. like to bill insurance for chiropractor or alternative care. Um, and yeah. so I think that eventually that will go by the wayside. Um, yeah. and you know, I think eventually you could see, you know, more and more requirements from insurance companies. What if we saw insurance saying, Hey, we're not going to cover you if you don't get um, vaccinated. Um, right. and that's something that we started seeing with COVID, right? Yeah. yeah. How cool would it be if the insurance companies came out and said, we're actually not going to insure you unless you get your weekly chiropractic adjustment and your weekly insurance. <laughs> acupuncture treatment and uh you know your bi-weekly net treatment so that everyone's emotions can be better or like unless you track your sleep and make sure you're sleeping yes. like eight hours a day or like track your food do a food journal for you know a month um so that we get you know like that's not ever gonna happen that's right which is crazy which is they don't, it's not about your health it's about how much more um many more medications you're on that are yep. going to cost more money. Yep. Um, for it's not about your health. It's about what type of customer you are. Yeah. And the unvaccinated children, the unvaccinated families, the people that do things different, the natural remedies that, that really stick to that kind of stuff. Yeah. We're not going to make as much money for insurance companies or for pharmaceutical companies. Absolutely. And so, I mean, I'm okay being the conspiracy theorist. I'm okay doing things differently than everyone else, because the saying is, if you do what everyone does, you'll get what everyone else has got. Yeah, and one of, yeah. and one of my favorite quotes that I just saw was, uh, uh, and now now I'm blanking out on it. It was, uh, the oh the best part about being a conspiracy theorist is not having myocarditis. That was the <laughs> best. There you go. That was my favorite. Uh, so. There you go. It's I I love that that's now coming full circle <laughs> for so many people. Um, but um, you know I just think it's important to approach it like what it is, and yep. and and know that like your health isn't going to come from that system. That's but right. you do need it for like the emergency trauma situations. Like you just never know. I don't think it should be totally dismissed um, yep. in that regard. Cause I mean, there are life-saving things that happen, yes. but at the same time, like for your wellness care, for things like that, you just shouldn't look to that place for your health. Absolutely. And and that's where you and I have preached that from the beginning, yeah. we could mesh uh, the natural medicine world and Western so well. And we would have such a healthy world if we just viewed Western medicine for what it is and East and holistic Eastern medicine for what it is as well. Yeah. Um, we're just using the system wrong. And that's why we talk about things like insurance, which allows the system to operate wrong and everything is a financial, uh, you know, a paper trail and all that type of stuff. Yeah. So, um, I had a lot of fun talking on this. I think yeah. this was a, a really, it was a different podcast. We, we actually almost right before it, we were like, should we talk about something else? Do people want to hear about this? <laughs> I just but think it's something it good. important to know that like, Hey guys, like, you're, they are, that's one of the reasons why you see so many pediatricians really wanting, um, a certain percentage of their, of their patients to be vaccinated because they are getting bonuses. And yeah. that's why you used to have, like in 2012, there was a study that found like there were more providers that accepted patients who did not vaccinate. But, and now there was one, I think they, they 
looked at it a couple of years ago. There's a lot less providers that take patients that are not vaccinated as far as like the childhood regular vaccines. And yep. there is a reason for that because they don't reimburse as much and they don't, um, and they don't, um, get the bonuses. And so yep. you're seeing those doctors that were really, you know, flexible that would let you kind of do your own thing. They're seeing that kind of go away. Um, now there are some that still will say like, no, I'm not, I'm not giving into this. And I think that those people should be celebrated for, you yes. know, at least asking questions, but, um, you know, or support that small business, support yeah, that type yeah. of small business. Seriously. Um, it's one of those things that you just really have to think about, um, why that's happening. Why are they becoming so, like more and more strict with their bonuses and with their reimbursements? Why does that matter so much to insurance companies that they are requiring, um, a certain percentage of their population to be vaccinated? Like it just, it just doesn't make sense. Um, and right. so it's like, where is that funding? Where is that coming from? Is that coming from a pharmaceutical company, giving them money to do that? Um, so they get their vaccines. Cause those, like I said, those vaccines are not cheap to buy in the first place. So why, why are they really wanting to push it? Right. It can't be pharmaceutical companies because we they're, you know, they have us in their highest interest. They spend more money on advertising than research. So, you know, they, they must be really, really good at heart. Oh yeah. Um, I mean that whole thing, we like, a whole, like doing a, doing a podcast on pharmaceutical companies in general. Uh, I mean, they fund the studies, they, they do all these, it, there's so much that we could go into, but just know that like, it, that's not about your health and that's, that's not right. who you should look to for they, advice they, they spend, about your health. They spend more money on advertising than research. Yeah. Um, and also they out lobby oil in Washington two to one mm. oil. Everyone knows oil is a lot of money. That's crazy. Yeah. I'll, I'll lie with them two to one. So that's all I have. What yeah. else? Anyone else? Anything else you want to tell the people before we? You know, uh... I think um, it's important to note that we are still in the midst of crazy flu season um, oh, yeah. and it's still super high. Like guys, um, we've talked about this in our previous episode. If you haven't yeah. um, listened to that, um, go back and listen to it. Um, it is, you know, I, there are some things that like you really like some reishi mushroom and some cod liver oil, like those yeah. things alone, having a nebulizer at home, having a pulse ox at home, um, things like that. Those are just things to be like prepared, having some homeopathic remedies, things like that. That'll be super helpful um, during this time of year. Um, and then I also want to say, if you are new to this podcast and you have not listened to our first four episodes of our podcast about vaccines, please listen to that. Yeah. We are not gonna, we're not judgmental at all about like, okay, you vaccinate your children. Like, no, I, I, I vaccinated mine up until the age of four, when I kind of had a wake up moment, I, I, you know, there are things that I would do different if I have another child, but like, there's no judgment here. This is all about like us wanting to get information out that we cannot talk about on Instagram and other social media platforms. Um, maybe Twitter now. Um, we can talk about these yeah. things on Twitter. Um, well, I don't but, know how much longer that'll be around now that it's free speech. Um, I know. Isn't that crazy? Apple's threatening to take it away. I know. Um, you know, I, I think it's important to know that like, we're really, that's not about judgment. This is really about us like getting information yeah. out. Please go back and listen to our episodes one through, I think it was Four? I think it was two, I think it was two, three, and four. Cause episode one was like our introduction. Intro, okay. So two, three, episode two, three, and four of our podcast, yeah. um, and know where we're standing on these things. Um, because it's yeah. really, um, you know, a place of love and compassion and just wanting people to just make a decision with all of the information and yeah. not just, um, not just what their provider has learned in school, which I will 
shocking warn you, like it's not much. Um, you'll, you learn the schedule and that's it. Um, yep. and so that's what I learned. I didn't learn anything. I learned, uh, the, what the, what, like what qualifies for a delayed schedule. Um, and that's really it. You might learn a little bit about the history of diphtheria, the history of polio, but you're not learning the ins and outs, like what the ingredients are in the vaccines and things like that. And so please go back and listen to those episodes. Yes. And like Lauren said, we're not judging anybody. This is a loving space for all of you to take what you will from this. Come one, come all. Um, we'll love you where you're at. Just open your mind to change the next generation. So with that, the last thing I will say is this week in practice, I've been finding olive leaf uh, testing a bunch on the bug that's going around. Like it is testing is a that bunch. RSV, so the bug? The bug, it, yeah, definitely. So olive leaf, tell too, me about that. Would you for like, cause that would be RSV is more of an issue for infants. Mm -hmm. Would you give so that I, to an infant? Yeah, I would sprinkle a little bit, like a, a pinch to a fourth of a capsule in some breast milk or some type of something. Or on the uh, nipple of mom. hundred percent. I would do that. If mom is breastfeeding, I would have mom take it to get through okay. the breast milk as well. Okay. Um, but it doesn't have to be much. And then whenever you start new things, monitor the baby's bowel movements to see if it's too strong and, and the bowel movements will tell you. So uh, I have All no problem. You. I have no problem uh, giving it to, to young ones. Um, like I always say, doctors give moms who are pregnant antibiotics. Nothing that I'm going to give you is going to be as toxic as an antibiotic. Yeah. And so yeah. olive leaf, again, it's anti everything, but for whatever reason, it, the strand of RSV and flu that's going around, it's been uh, the number one. And I will say, goodness, that is such a good point. We should do an episode on back on antibiotics. Um, oh boy, I, I'm I'm down. Don't say no more. I'm antibiotics down. Antibiotics can change the gut so much. I've had I had a mom who was convinced her child was her baby. It was a she had a round of antibiotics when the child was a baby. That can, things changed from then on out, and there were still some. There were some things that we were working through at the age of five. I am one hundred percent convinced that it. Now there are they are life saving. So like, if you need antibiotics that are life saving, please don't hesitate. If you're, if you're gonna die, time, if you're gonna die in twelve hours from a, a bacterial infection, antibiotics are lifesavers. But yeah, yeah, how I often, don't want to go to a world without antibiotics. How but, often are they prescribed for something like that compared to the common cold? Like, <laughs> yeah, like it's just not, it's just not, but we should do, we should do an episode on like antibiotics and like common, like, um, like ear infections and, um, yes. and prep because it is helpful. Um, I am going to be making an ebook that's going to be out in the next couple of weeks on yes, that. Check out that ebook. I'm excited to, to read it myself. Yeah. But I do think having this like type of, of dialogue about these conditions is helpful. Um, yeah. and so, um, we'll, we'll play it out some episodes and see if maybe we can have you all vote on a few to see if you want yeah. to talk about some of those things. We can talk about antibiotics, steroids, all the main ah. stuff that is prescribed, I think would make for really good individualized, uh, podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do that. All right, guys. Of all course, right. this is not meant to be medical advice. Please speak with your hopeful cause practitioner. And, um, this is meant to be educational. Yes. We love you all and see y'all next week.